welcome to the Elephant in the Pew podcast, where we engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about, but nobody wants to discuss, from two undisclosed locations somewhere in the Midwest. Here are your hosts, Stephen Whitten and Ryan Ramsey. I'd have like, I'd, I'd carry in a Matchbox car or, you know, a Hot Wheels car or whatever. I'd like, I'd smuggle it into the uh, sanctuary. When, you know, like my grandpa would be preaching and we were at a church that had a sloped um, yeah. I was just gonna say that. I was like, man, I know where this story is going. Cause <laughs> yeah, I grew right. up in one of those churches. Yeah. If, you, if that thing slips out of your hand, you are screwed. Welcome to the Elephant in the Pew podcast, season two, the show that brings you our opinions in a nicely tuned, well oiled, chaotic sound clip to engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about, but nobody wants to discuss. I'm Stephen Witten. And I'm Ryan Ramsey. The show is brought to you by ElephantPew.com, your one-stop shop for everything Elephant in the Pew. You can check out anything you need there that we talk about on the show, links to material or our own personal blog. Stephen and I both have our own blogs, and you can check us out there at ElephantPew.com. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day, night, evening, morning. Whenever you decided to listen to us, we're just happy that you decided to listen to us. Today, we are talking about... What are we talking about, Ryan? We're talking about segregated ministries. That's right. In this time, 2017, you know, women are like the cool thing now. You know what I mean? I mean, I've <laughs> always personally thought they were cool, but well, now women are... St- Stating out loud that they're cool and they're marching about it. So, like, um, okay. And uh, so I'm wondering, why do we need a women's ministry? Why do we need a men's ministry? You know, like, shouldn't there just be a gender-neutral ministry? You know, wouldn't that be the politically correct thing to do? So my question is this. Are we, as the church, propagating some sort of sexual bias by having ministries that have sexual uh, identities tied to them? Stephen, go. Well, we're going to discuss that because I don't know <laughs> what that to- well, I don't know what that was because that wasn't your typical um, you. So it sounded very sarcastic in what? the way you were discussing. Um, okay, maybe it's just because I know all, you a little too much. But first of all, are, are you saying that me sounding sarcastic doesn't sound like me? Then you don't know me very well. No, 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 no. I was saying I don't know what that what that um, sentence or fr- paragraph or whatever you were talking about, that didn't sound like gen- uh, genuine Ryan. It sounded like sarcastic Ryan, which oh. is oh. really just Ryan. But um, so... <laughs> uh, Are you accusing yeah. me of, of, of not caring about women's feminist issues? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I, have, I am I not putting words in your mouth. I care deeply. I, I I am not saying that you um, don't care about women. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm saying is um, that 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 paragraph sounded very sarcastic, like you were reading it, like it was handed to you and you were reading it. That was straight um, off the hip, baby. Straight what, off the what, hip. Well, I'm just questioning whether or not your wife is there um, with a gun to your head or something. No. No. Gosh, oh man, my in- everybody questions my intentions. I, mean, I need to rethink my life. I think. <laughs> no, 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 my no. Life I would decisions. not. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. The question really is: we're we are going to talk about segregated ministries. Um, probably the focus of our ministry, our, 
our ministry tonight. Our, our discussion tonight is going to be why there are men's ministries and women's ministries. Um, but, you know, we'll also dabble into the idea of why there are teen ministries and also children's ministries and so on and so forth. Um, just to get us started, I think, I think really why there are right now is... Uh, I, don't, I can't tell you why... Currently, we still have women ministry, women ministries, and uh, male ministries because I don't fully understand. Um, other than that, there are certain topics that um, are just guided more towards um, s- specific genders. It's not like uh, we have women's ministries in churches that like teach women how to uh, be a good wife. Um, circa nineteen fifty five. But I think it's there are certain struggles that each individual uh, gender uh, struggles with, and I think that's why uh, for the longest time, and I agree with it. Um, I think that's why we started. I don't remember. I I don't know, remember my church history probably like Ryan does, um, since he's still still going to school for this stuff. But when did uh, the real question is: Is when did segregated ministries come about? Um, well, I, I'm gonna say segregated ministries have been around since the beginning of time. Oh, really? I would say, um, from the Jewish heritage, that women and men were not allowed to sit together in worship. There's even still to this day, um, the Wailing Wall, um, the men and the women are not allowed to go to the same places to worship in the synagogue. So um, that's been something that's been for a long time. I mean, probably unsegregated ministries is more of the last 20 years than anything. So um, there is definitely a benchmark for ministries to be separated. Um, For instance, even in the New Testament, when Paul talks about um, women not being able to, shouldn't speak in teaching and in worship, that they should be silent and they shouldn't adorn themselves and things, you know, um, all those controversial Paul things. Take, um, you know, Paul's a sexist or whatever out of it. He, you cannot um, argue against the point, you may, you might be able to argue against the point that it doesn't apply today. I get that. We can have an argument about that. But <clears throat> you are not going to be able to argue the point that in his cultural context, that was the reality. And so, um, very, very segregated ministries as far as that goes back then, right? Because <clears throat> we know that the women who were Christians had to have some place to um, learn and study and be discipled, and I guarantee you it wasn't by men. It was probably by other women. So, um, yeah, I think the idea of not segregating ministry is a new age concept for the church. Fair enough. I mean, that's kind of what... Um, I was actually thinking about specific women, but you know, you're absolutely right when you think about it. Historically speaking, um, segregated ministries started from, um, Jewish culture, it's a Jewish thing because of that culture of the time. And even, excuse me, um, up until recently, um, Historically speaking, you know, like a hundred years is pretty recent. Um, segregation 
um, between the genders or sexes, whatever you want to call it, um, was quite prevalent. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, uh, in churches all the way up until probably the 1800s, maybe even the early 1900s, you know, um, women and children were on one side and men were on the other side in, in some of these Protestant churches here in America. Um, so, I mean, that concept, that idea of segregating, you know, um, uh, women and men um, is pretty, pretty prevalent in my in my recollection with um, history. history, for yeah, sure. And I think you'll find that it's not just in the Jewish culture. Uh, it's everywhere. Um, in fact, it'll be the norm in pretty much all that you under- you read. Anytime you hear that women and men were not separated in society, especially back to Bible times or whatever, all the way back then, it'll be <clears throat> some, it'll be like a kind of a abnorm- abnormal thing. So like, um, one of the things that the Spartans were really praised on is how high they valued their women and their culture, right? So, right. but they were not the normal Greek culture. You know, that was not normal. Um, so you would see that that's not been the norm. Not saying that it's it's right. I'm just saying it was not the cultural norm. Um, so segregated ministries has been the only option until 2000 and whatever, where we um, now clearly treat women as equal to men. Um, different, but equal in my theological and sociological um, mindset. Different, but equal. So, um, and, and I think that's why, and I'm going to make the argument here, I think even though it would be kosher, and it is kosher to have women uh, and, and men in ministry together, I don't think it would be wise to have uh, us in, in ministry together. When you say in ministry together, you mean like like as ministers? No, I mean like in ministries together all the time. Like all the time. Every ministry okay. we do is together. I think okay. there is. Um, there's great wisdom to separate ministries. But I've spoken too much, Stephen. What do you think? Well, I I agree with you. I, I um, when you're when you're talking about, I I alluded to, to this earlier with the idea that there are certain issues that men struggle with that mm. women don't even. They, they couldn't fully understand just as the same it would go for that there are issues that women struggle with that men couldn't um, right. couldn't even fathom uh, why one why it would be a struggle or two um, how that is a struggle so like that's where those things um, are better for other women to disciple other women and men to disciple other men Um right. I believe that that's what, um, I, in my opinion, I think that's one of the, uh, God's greatest gifts to humans is that we're not the same. We complement each other in right. a way that, uh, you know, where men fail at certain areas, women, you know, exceed, and where women fail, men exceed. And that's kind of why we're put together um, by God to complete each other um mm-hmm. that whole where two become one um mm-hmm. they actually benefit and i it helps to be i mean just in my experience it helps to be around other guys um who do struggle with some some of the very same things and we learn together and we um 
we bolster each other up in those struggles and say, hey, we can get through this. We're going to make it through type mentality. Right. Um, and so I guess that's the, you know, the the reasoning behind segregated ministries is why it's such a good thing. Um, I think juxtaposing this argument or this, this discussion really um, against um, what's going on in pop culture today. Um, you know, recently there was the women's March and um, it was like the day after uh, Donald Trump was inaugurated as president. Mm-hmm. Um and how I've actually seen some of the response um, from women in my life, mainly my wife, but a lot of women in general who um, aren't necessarily as forceful to um, to their their agenda, to, to that agenda, that feministic agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, how that plays out in um, in church roles, you know, there there are people. Mm, yeah. The church, the church in general, is a a wide variety of of people who come in with different mindsets. Right? It's right. not like we all believe we all believe the same, but we not we might not all think the same way. And I find it interesting how like to me it wasn't a big it wasn't that big of an issue that they had a women's day march or whatever i don't even know what they were calling it um maybe it was because that i wasn't really paying attention like i was (laughs) i was too focused on what i was doing in my life uh, the day um to even look into why they were doing it um but my wife she was looking into it and she was very much um, vocal, I would say, that uh, about why she doesn't agree with everything that they were doing on that right. Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, and it's hard because um, because you look at it and like I, there are things uh, in the feminism movement that are I think noble things to stand for, as like um, equal pay for uh, equal work, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that's a, that's a basic human right. I think, um, if you can do the same job as another person, you should get paid the same as them to do it. You know, um, if you do it, you know, at the same level of quality at the same, you know what I mean? So if, if you're doing exactly the same work, the same success, producing the same amount of widgets, doing the same thing, you know, then you should get paid the same amount. Um, whether you're a male or female, completely agree with that. Um, and, there are things though at play within, within these subjects that are very um, politically driven and um, other people's agenda driven. So we just have to be careful as a people that we don't get caught up in other people's agendas doing that. So, um, you know, there's, I've seen lots of stuff about the uh, actresses uh, being upset about um, being paid less than the men, the male actors um, and I don't know the facts on that, so I'm not going to go into a heated argument, but a lot of this stuff I feel like comes down to money. Like they got paid less, not because they're women, but because people statistically pay more money to go see that actor when his name is on the billboard. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your sex. It has everything to do with, um, 
money, unfortunately. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. the way Hollywood works. But and we had this conversation a lot as, um, as um, you know, when we were doing our, our YouTube show. You know, yeah, most absolutely. of what Hollywood comes down to is how much money do they make. It's not really based. They don't, they don't really have morals or, um, or like, feelings even. It's just all about <laughs> well, that's bottom true. line. So, um, you know, that's kind of a little bit off topic, but, uh, I feel like that's kind of where, where that's going, where, um, getting back to the ministry thing, we, uh, we, we want to have like, well, we can have, if the heart of having ministries not be segregated by sex is, well, it's, you know, 2017 and we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that or whatever. I feel like we're kind of missing the point a little bit of the whole idea of segregated ministries. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think. Um, to, to piggyback on what you were discussing there is I agree 100% that it's equal pay for equal work. Um, and so that kind of, that movement, absolutely quality Mm -hmm. is, is one thing. Um, but I think a lot of times that the message that they have, that they, that they're propagating Mm -hmm. is different than equality. They're not. They're not asking. I don't know exactly. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not into this. I don't follow it. I'm not. It's maybe. And maybe I should be more into it. More yeah, follow you're it. But a terrible person, Stephen. But I mean, like, I care about my wife, and when she talks about things, I I listen. And so this, all the stuff that I I'm getting from the argument is from my wife, um, which in. In all reality, that's who I should care about the most is, you know, care about my wife's well-being um, mm-hmm. first. And then, by, and trickle-down effect, you know, when I do have daughters, I care about my daughters and, and so on and so forth. But really, um, I think what my wife said this uh, earlier um, this weekend when the whole thing was going on. You shouldn't uh, throw your wife under the bus, man. She's gonna start getting hate mail from this. Just you uh, say she a said email she, that I respect. It said, well, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> the most respected female in my life said this. Good, that was good. <laughs> except now everybody knows. So it's oh, good. okay. Um, <laughs> no, she said that um, a lot of the issues that um, that this movement that is that is occurring right now in today's culture. Um, has nothing to do with the movement that was happening in the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, she she read me an article, and I don't even I, I can't even give credit to who wrote the article, but the article uh, basically said that um, feminism today is actually the fourth wave of feminism, and um, I think the title of the the article was. Um, I'm not a feminist, and that's okay. It was, of course, it was written by a uh, a female who um, holds true to the teachings of the Bible, submits to her husband, and some, and you know, all these things that that women um, that the feminist movement are against. I fully don't. I don't think they understand what what they're against. They're just against this idea because they have this idea of if you submit to your husband then you're be you're taking a lesser stance than him um and i I, like i said i don't think they fully understand what that is because truly submission to your husband is not Mm -hmm. is not taking um second place by any means it's 
um, saying your piece and, you know, um, letting letting his role of that God has placed him, the responsibility that God has given him to uh, take your word. You know, like it's it's my responsibility as a husband to uh, take care of my wife and love her. Um, it's so she's supposed to tell me what what her opinions are on the issue and uh, I'm supposed to do what's in the best interest of her. Right. Um, but, but that is a, a terribly old-fashioned concept. You realize that, right? <laughs> Like, uh, not not to say old-fashioned as bad. I mean, old-fashioned as a concept that's been around for a very, very, very long time. Um, and yeah. which, is, which is great. Um, but the problem is, is that we are seeing a reaction to um, a reaction to anything that's old. It's it's modernism. I mean, modernism I, is in full swing. I will started agree. a long time ago. Started back in the fifties. Um, 60s and then it's continued this way theologically it started even before that but um we are seeing this thing called modernism work itself out and <clears throat> unfortunately it's not the first time modernism has come along um, the last time it came to full swing was actually back in rome right before the fall of rome so um it it tends to come right before the fall of nations <laughs> and historically and i'm not talking about um i'm not talking anything that his, history won't support here. So don't get mad at me. Um, but that's what we're seeing. But anyways, we, 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 we digress. Um, yeah, we digress. What I was basically trying to get my, my argument was that, um, that the juxtaposition between, um, segregated ministries and, uh, and feminism is that we're, they're not, what I was trying to get at was that they're not the same argument. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I so that's where I was going with it, and we got. So you're not. You're not saying that. Um, you know, we should have the same ministries for everybody because um, we should have equal opportunities between sexes. Basically, is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying that by any means. I'm saying um, that I was asking uh, truly if uh, if segregated ministries are necessary. Now, obviously, you and I both agree that they are. Um, necessary because of the it different issues, right? Um, but it had nothing to do with you know equal rights or anything like it. it was mainly um to bring in you know like the childrens and the teens. What happens um as ministries um what why why do we Im- immediately think of breaking up the family and sending them on their way when really um it would be beneficial for the families to mm-hmm. come together and worship together right that's really i think that's the core of this this topic that we were uh, we we jumped off on the deep end (laughs) went into uh the the women's versus men's ministries but i i really think that's where i was going with this this topic of um i i think it's to me personally it's highly beneficial for a 12 year old boy to see his father worshiping the lord Okay, so are you talking specifically worship services? Um, worship service. Well, no, I was talking about ministries in general. But yes, m- right now this th- this part of the discussion we'll talk about worship services. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to offer you argument. Um, the way I prefer it to be organized is that um, teens, especially, 
um, would be in the worship service with their family. Now, um, especially if you go to like a church that's a, a modern church that has modern worship that is really applicable to a teenager and, you know, like the message is applicable to them and, and most modern churches are that way. So there's really no reason why they can't be in there. Um, the only time I would maybe argue with that is if in a really traditional church that maybe they just get nothing out of the sermon because it's, I don't know, add, I don't know, anything in. I don't, you know what I mean? I insert whatever the issue is. Um, maybe it would be better for them to be in a separate place. Um, I've never gone to a church or been a part of a church where the teens all leave during the service. I know um, that the church you go to now did, they used to do that. I know they don't anymore. Um, but yeah, it was a whole movement. We, we did a whole movement about we transitioning back into family ministry, um, a family worship time, uh, because for the longest time it was that, you know, like the teens had their separate, had a separate, um, worship service and then the, the adults worship together and then the children, um, worshiped separately as well. Um, yeah. And they I still do. This children we still have a children's ministry set you know set aside. Um yeah. Mainly I mean that's just for being able to to teach the kids on their level so that right. they they understand, you know, and they're actually getting um you know teaching rather than just um someone handing them a coloring book while the pastor preaches. <laughs> right. So um I I still think there needs to be children's um, ministry for the fact that they get nothing out of it. The parents get nothing out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, on Sundays where we've had, um, you know, no child care or whatever during Sundays, which is fine. You know, children's workers need a break too. Um, but it's, I mean, my wife and I might as well just not go to church because <laughs> baby's crying, son's bouncing up and down. You know, it's, it's impossible. Um, now I never had that growing up. I grew up in the generation where I got spankings until, you know, so basically it made me never want to go to church because I basically just was going to get a bunch of spankings and cause I didn't, couldn't sit still for an hour and a half, you know? So, yeah. um, also not a good option for your kid. You're trying to create, you know, some excitement about going to church and that it's a good thing. And, um, instead they go to get spankings in the basement every Sunday. So, um, you know, that's also not good. So, um, I can definitely understand children. Um, the teen though th- thing, I agree with you. So I'd like to hear maybe your, um, reasoning to why you think, teens should stay um and there maybe there's somebody listening to this right now who uh church currently does that or they would um defend that whole idea of um breaking out teens breaking out and going doing their own thing and i want to hear maybe your warning against that what, what you think about it Stephen? well i i think um to preface this the statement that i'm gonna make is it's I think we've lost the idea of what church, especially when it comes to worship, we've lost the idea of what the purpose of it was. Um, and in the process of doing that, we we um, we turned it into more of an entertainment style. Um, and really, what worship service, in my opinion, um, we get together on Sunday morning uh to hear the word of God, obviously, but we also get together to worship as a collective um, body of of Christ. Um, and um, the the negatives that come that come with this idea that the family comes into 
um, church and they immediately break up into their segregated ministries, I feel like we lose the... Um, I hate to say, I don't like this word because it's not probably not the right word, but we lose the intimacy that we we have um, in that moment with Christ. I f- not that it's impossible to worship with Christ um, and God without your family, but I feel like um, the the learning aspect for a young, um, in my opinion, young male, but because in my experience, I never. Um, I learned all uh, so much when I was 13, 14, 15, and 16 um, going to church with my family and seeing my grandpa um, worship. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, like, that was one of those things where, like, you know, and I'm sure it's the same way with the young teen girls who um, watch their mother worship. And they, you know, they, they learn... Um, what it what it truly means to be um, raptured in in the experience of the Holy Spirit and God, and and understanding that it's more than just a ritual; it's it's an experience type thing. So I guess that's kind of why I would say that would be my argument for worshiping together: is that um, you're not just you're not just worshiping God, but you're also um, being a good example of how to worship to your kids, um, mainly older kids, obviously, because we've just stated that young kids are not, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're probably not on the level of understanding. Um, although there, there's, there's also scriptural reference to... Um, having kids in church as well. Um, but um, I think some could say that that's, uh, that passes where uh, Jesus, in, it's in Matthew, I think, where Jesus says, let the children come to me. Um, I think it's um, more on the line of don't um, keep your kids away from uh, a relationship with Christ. Show them the way type thing. It's not a, worship service mentality. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go that far as say he was telling them that they had to sit in the church because that would be mean Jesus. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think ministry is against the Lord's ruling. Yeah, no, I that's that's not what I was saying. Um I would also say that it's uh it would be important I, I've learned this, maybe it's because I was uh, the grandson of a pastor, but I think I the, the... son of a preacher, man. Yeah. Um, I think <coughs> we need to become, as a church, more accepting of kids being a little... Um, rowdy? Rowdy. Yeah. Um, l- yeah. You know, because a kid is a kid for a reason. I mean, God created us to be that way for a certain amount of time and then we would mature. So like looking down on people for having um, a kid that is a little rowdy is really like, it's weird to me. Like I remember like my mom got stares when I was a little loud in church. We we get stares when Amory acts up. 
Yeah. I, I, nobody's ever said anything to me. I think mostly because <clears throat> for some reason I have an intimidating look about me. Like if people don't know me, you know what I mean? I think, I don't know why. Maybe I don't know why like, either. Cause you're not intimidating. I know I must look grouchy or something, but <laughs> <laughs> so like I, I always like when my son makes that, I'm like, please say something to me. I would love the chance to tell you what I think about you saying something. <laughs> to me right. <laughs> right? <laughs> But they see, never do, so I just smile and they kind of walk away. I see. I'm one of those people that like I'll have like um, there'll be kids running around, and then after church I'll be talking to the parents or whatever, and they'll apologize, and I'm like, "Don't apologize. This I like. I like it. I'm personally one of those people that I like seeing the kids like r- running around. And, and to me, it, it's vi- the vitality of the church. You know, when yeah. you have young families. With young children, that means that um, the church is doing something right. It's attracting those families, and it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing to me. Um, some of my the saying, f- the saying is, if you don't hear crying, your church is dying. So, I mean, mm. every time I hear a baby crying service or a kid acting out, I think, hey man, we're doing good. We are growing. Absolutely, you know. You know? And I, I I think some of the 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 best moments in church service has been when like you know a eighteen month old to a three-year-old has run up on stage um in the middle of a sermon and you know and most of the time uh most um, most of the preachers that i've i've personally witnessed they play along with it because they love it just as you know like they might there might be some some moments where it might not be the best like exclamation point but most of the time it's yeah, just it. like ooh, fi- something got to wake up now yeah wake for a little yeah. Bit yeah because the half the congregation chuckles and then you, you're like okay so they're 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 paying attention now you know I it's for another i got enough for another 35 seconds yeah <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where like it's it's to me it's funny maybe it's because i i know it mostly because of my age i know that a lot of the older people um might not like that but Believe it or not, most of the elderly people that I deal with, they they'll be the first people to say, "Don't even worry about it," you know. And so it's one of those things where I think it's become more or less a uh, uh, perceived stare or a perceived judgment. Um, mm-hmm. Well, sometimes just depends sometimes, on yeah. I'm I'm just saying like. As culture, uh, church culture um, is concerned, I think that that's where, like, for so long it, it's been that way. And now that even though it's not like that, or there's still like little pockets of remnants like that, people feel bad. And so yeah, I think I could see that, especially some people get embarrassed, you know. And, you know, they think they're going to think I'm a terrible parent, you know what I mean? And nobody really thinks you're a terrible parent. Well, I can't say that. I would say most. Any normal person will think you're a terrible parent, especially if they've been a parent because they're like, yep, I've been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there are some people who are pretty hard on themselves in lots of ways. My wife is really hard on herself with that stuff. Um, you know, and it's hard to be a pastor's wife because people do look at you a little differently and they treat you a little bit differently. But, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I tell her, you're a mom and do the best you can. And if people got a problem with it, they can give you their advice and you can take it or not take it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's at the end of the day, it's the hard thing about that. Those things like we're all humans and we have to do human things. And one of those human things is raising kids and dealing with how kids are. And you know, we can respond as humans kindly and take people's advice or not. 
and that's up to us. You know, it's it's just it's so much more simple to me than we make it. And that's probably because I'm a dude. And this probably is a good way we've circled back around because um, dudes and ladies think so much different. And oh yeah, a wife will get really upset about um, a, a kid acting up at church and embarrassing her. And um, when it, where guys like you know guys don't care. Like yeah, okay, yeah, kids cry. Nothing you can do. Yeah. Do your best. <laughs> well, I mean, yep, and, and when it comes to, like, kids acting out or anything like that, I remember when, I mean, like, I remember the kind of kid I was. Like, looking back on it, I was a terrible kid. Um, like Terrible human being. Well, I mean, like, I was the, the kid that, you know, at three or four, I'd be, I'd have, like, I'd, I'd carry in a Matchbox car or, you know, a Hot Wheels car or whatever. I'd, like, I'd smuggle it into the uh, sanctuary <laughs> And mm-hmm. I'd be playing with it. And my mom was okay with me playing with it. It was when, you know, like my grandpa would be preaching and we were at a church that had a sloped. Um, yeah. I was just going to uh, say that. I was like, man, I know where this story is going. Cause <laughs> yeah, I grew right. up in one of those churches. Yeah. If, you, if that thing slips out of your hand, you are screwed. Yeah. And it went, and it went, it, my, there were times that my car would just go straight to the pulpit and then it would just pop right there on the thing. And you, you know that people were like looking at, you know, like, and the stuff that I put my mom through. Um, like the story that my mom always tells is like that happened and she like picked me up and like was taking me out and I turned around and I yelled to my grandpa who was preaching. I said, grandpa, don't let her take me. She's going to spank me. You know, (laughs) one of those things where like, it was just like, you know, that was the thing that like, I knew I was a terrible kid, but like, so like, when someone's kid is, you know, not being a terrible kid, they're just being a little, a little rowdy, so to speak. I mm. like smile at it. I'm like, Oh, this is nothing. Like this kid is just, this kid is having fun at life right now. And I'm okay with it. It's, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's, I was also a terrible child. So I was not a PK, but I might as well have been because my parents were involved in ministry so much. So, um, yeah, and I get it. And the funny thing is, is that, um, probably now that I'm an adult, I guess I'm an adult now. Um, is eh, it's questionable. I know I don't feel like an adult. Um, like you know that, like ninety eight percent of the people in the congregation, when they heard your car roll from the back all the way down the front and hit the pulpit, went. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they yeah. <laughs> were like, "That's funny." And the two percent were my mom and my grandma, who who were mortified. <laughs> But everybody else was like, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That yeah. is funny right there. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's that's just the way life is. But, oh, well, there's the bell. Looks like it's time for our closing thoughts. Steven, we'll let you go first. Rock it out. All right. I think when it comes to um, this main topic, this question is segregated ministries. Um, like we said early, early on in this episode where men think differently than women do and women think differently than men do and we struggle with different issues so the idea of segregated ministries um should i mean it should be a thing because if we don't deal with our issues on a separate level then how can we um come together and worship god without having a barrier there when it comes to family time worship, I think the best way um, for us to teach our kids is by 
being an example to them. And so this is why I'm I'm a big advocate. Now, I, I don't have any kids, but I'm a huge advocate of family time, um, Bible study throughout the week, um, hopefully every day. Uh, but then also having that one time a week where the whole family gets together and worships in some facet as a as a family unit um, because of the whole idea that um, of just creating examples and um, uh, cementing the idea of a relation an experiential um, relationship with God um, uh, I, I'm a huge advocate for uh, I mean like this is how I, when my grandpa when he was uh, when I he was watching me like I would I was his only grandson and he I lived with him and he would take me everywhere um, we would go to men's prayer, prayer breakfast and I would I remember not being old enough to fully understand why we were kneeling at the altar on Saturday mornings to pray. Um, but I remember that. I remember, like, I can, it's vivid in my mind, um, Saturday mornings with my grandpa kneeling, and him, um, when I would ask him a question in the middle of prayer time, he would take his, take the time and, and explain why we were praying. Um, and it was just those powerful moments of, of learning, you know, and seeing that it, that that relationship that my grandfather had with the Lord. Um, and I, I think that's so important. And um, I think I think that's why um, why we should have that close-knit family worship and family relationship with the Lord. Because um, I know that's why my relationship with the Lord today is so strong is because of how I was taught when I was a kid. Uh, so those are my my uh, closing thoughts. Uh, you can uh, find me, well, you can find me at uh, uh, stoneswillcry.com or elephantpew.com. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, um, some of my closing thoughts are these. Um, we kind of jumped around a lot today. So uh, I think last time we talked about this, we talked mostly about men's and women's ministries. And that was actually the week we were having Willow, who's now a year old, and so um, it was over a year ago. So it's good to be a part of this conversation since I didn't get to be last time. <laughs> but um, this week, we've asked more of the question about youth, and then we talked a little bit about some other stuff. So this is probably going to be one we continue to talk about as we go along. But, um, you know, I think Stephen's on to something here, and that's the whole idea of um, generationally... Um, taught or generationally educated Christians, and um, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, the old saying is there's no second generation Christian, which I believe, you know, everybody has to make their own decision. You don't inherit it from somebody else, but we do learn about God um, from each other and our experiences um, with each other. So um, those same experiences like Stephen had um, kneeling at the altar with his grandpa, who clearly um, loved him a lot and uh, showed him that through his development and as he grew in Christ, which is awesome, Stephen, because not very many people have those experiences with their grandparents. But, um, you know, I think that's important. Uh, I think we talk a little about segregated ministries between men and women, and um, it can get kind of like convoluted, like, well, women are, you know, 
whatever, whatever the whole women's thing is and men thing. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about here is um, women teaching women how to be followers of Christ and men teaching men how to be followers of Christ. And we're not saying that uh, in 2017 that's the only way that it can be done, um, like maybe other cultures did in the past. Um, but we are saying that there are definitely some benefits to doing that way. And for us to ignore those benefits would be foolish of us. Um, the final thing I want to hit on is something I believe is the other thing I think Stephen, his main point he wanted to make today was as teenagers, um, seeing teenagers leave uh, worship and go do their own teenager thing. I think that was a really cool thing in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, teenage, and I know the really big churches did it in the late 90s even. Um, but, you know, I, I think we have seen, for instance, um, I when I was a worship pastor uh, back in 2011, there was a young man who was a teenager and he was playing. Um, he was playing in the, in the band and, you know, he grew up in children's ministry at a big church and then went into the junior high ministry at a big church and then went to the early high school ministry at a big church. And we were, I'm a big fan of hymns, re- redone hymns or whatever, just because of the teaching, right? Theological teaching and hymns. And he didn't know any of the hymns. And I'm like, man, you've grown up in church. How do you not know the hymns? Well, he had been in all the cool ministries. So they didn't do hymns because hymns weren't cool. That's what your parents did. And I just sat back and I was like, wow, what happened? So, um, you know, that I think it's important to have, especially once they get to that age, to be learning, uh, to be with their family, teenagers, in the main service, and to, to be carrying that heritage on. And even things like, like even at my church, because we don't do a lot of hymns in the service, you know, it's got to be up to us generationally to educate, excuse me, educate um, our children. Like, I'm going to have to teach my son and my daughter about hymns, I think, because we're going to grow up and they're not going to be in a culture that plays a lot of hymns. And I value that. So I'll have to take that upon my shoulders. And each family is going to have to take it upon their shoulders. Like Steven said, um, to, uh, worship and create that worship environment within your family so that, uh, your children can learn from you and worship. And it's not just when they get in high school, they see what it looks like to worship with you. So, um, remember you are an example in that, um, if we split ministries up, we are actually robbing ourselves of that communal educating time of what it looks like um, to worship as an adult, as our kids um, watch us. Um, one closing thing um, I want to, as I said that, I was thinking of this, um, you know, we think that maybe our kids don't watch us because we're lame or that, um, you know, if you're like me, you think like who would look up to me, you know what I mean? kind of a deal. Um, but my son, was, you know, we play Minecraft together and, um, my son, um, built a Lego thing to look like Minecraft. And so he's explaining to me and he was using words that he had no idea what they meant, but he had heard me say them, not even to him, uh, to a friend I play with online talking about phase one and phase two and building stuff. And, um, so he started saying, he said, yeah, this is phase two and stuff like that as he was talking to me and I was looking at him and I realized for the first time, I said, man, this kid listens to everything I say and he doesn't know what most of it means, but he's listening and he's repeating it, you know, for a, you have to be careful, but B as a Christian, man, this, even at the age of four, you know, and even maybe even younger, you need to start worshiping because they see you and they can repeat you and they may not understand it fully, but they will start modeling what you do. And, um, so we have a great responsibility and a great calling as parents, as grandparents, as great grandparents, to uh, do that in, in our Christian world, to, uh, to model um, our heritage and uh, the way Christ has called us to live. Uh, that's my closing thoughts. I'm Ryan Rams. You can find me at shoutingintothewild.com. And uh, you just, yeah, just go there. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you so much to our subscribers and listeners who chose to listen to us. We are so humbled you decided to allow us to be a part of your day. You guys really are the best audience a podcast could ask for. And this episode was brought to you by ElephantPew.com. You can find us on all the um, podcasting agents out there. So I prefer iTunes. Um, go to iTunes, look up Elephant in the Pew, and you'll find us there. Rate, review, and subscribe, and you will get this podcast automatically downloaded to your device every time a new one is published, which would be awesome for you. So do that. Also, if you don't have an iPhone or you just don't like Apple, you can go to the uh, Google Store, and there you can find us on any Android device too, or you can find us on Blueberry.com, lots of places. Pretty much anywhere there's a podcast, you'll find Elephant in the Pew. So go rate, review, subscribe, go out there, find us, and uh, get the word out about Elephant in the Pew. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, have a blessed week. God bless. God bless.